This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. On this week's episode of the podcast, it is my turn to bring the story, and so I decided, you know what, Drew, it's time to get down to some goalkeeper shenanigans. Oh man, nothing quite like goalkeeper shenanigans. Everybody light your Kepa prayer candles, this is Deadball Brothers. It's Dead Ball Bros. It is Dead Ball Bros. Episode 51. Ooh. People thought that we were done after 50 because we've been off the air for a little bit. Yeah, we've definitely been been letting the people down. For those of you who do not know, off the air, that's radio lingo because our father (laughs) is a radio host. Still is, yeah. Has been a radio host. You're either on the air or you're off the air. Our entire lives. We uh, we ran into some scheduling troubles thanks to me being away this time, and also Drew being away. We were just on like different timelines. Yeah, you you were away longer, so this is true. It's more of your fault. However, Deadball Brothers is back, and we are still a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity, baby. You've already gotten a healthy dose of stupidity. Oh yeah, you already got it. You already know. You should already know by now. <laughs> My name is Adam Whitaker Snavely, everybody's most favorite freelance soccer writer, and I am joined as always by my real life brother. Drew Snavely, who is half the time excited Manchester United fan, half the time miserable Manchester United fan. Lately, miserable Manchester United fan. But we had a really good run for a long time. You did have a really good run for a long time. And then? Then Southampton happened. Mm-hmm. And then. Chelsea happened. Ooh, Chelsea happened big and time. And then West Ham happened today. Yeah, West Ham. Michael Antonio. Mc- Mikhail. <laughs> Scoring goals. Mikhail. Mikhail Antonio. Mc- Is that Mc- how you pronounce his name? Mikhail. I'm not going to lie. I've only ever heard people say Antonio on the airwaves. It's so. Mikhail. All right, Mikhail Antonio. I can't. My, I, I say my, my A's weird. I say eh. Mikhail. Mikhail. Mikhail Antonio. Yes, Mikhail Antonio. There we go. We got it. Hey. Hey, this podcast is brought to you, as always, by betonline.ag, and we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Don't you try to distract me with with the tags that we have to put at the beginning of the podcast. (laughs) We're going to talk about Manchester United a little bit. We're going to talk about your misery. Why? Because it's good content. Drew, tell us why you're sad. Well... I'm sad because David De Gea is an average goalkeeper. Ooh, ooh, it stings. It stings so good. It, it does sting. It is, uh, that is sad. I mean, it a is. lot of teams can't really be sad with having an average keeper, but knowing what De Gea was doing for the last four, 
four-ish years. And and knowing that David De Gea is the highest paid player in the Premier League. Not the highest paid goalkeeper. He is the highest paid player in the Premier League. He makes what is it? 350,000? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't like to get into those a those week? numbers. It makes it harder to be a Manchester United fan oh, knowing week. how much we play our, how much we pay our players. Just ooh. Yeah, uh, it's uh it's that's not great. Lot, that's a lot of money. It's not great for... when you when you're expecting a, a a keeper to to save you like twelve to fifteen ish goals a season, and he's not doing that this season. Especially not against Chelsea. Especially not against Chelsea. That was um, we, we watched the FA Cup semifinal together. Uh, yes, I invited Drew over to my place uh, for a. A delightful brother bonding thing. We thought that we were going to get to see Manchester United and Christian Pulisic. Turns out we really didn't get to see either of those people because so true. Pulisic didn't play and Manchester United didn't even bother showing up for the game. Yes, it was uh, an incredibly boring game. That it was. Even a Bruno penalty in the 80th minute could not rescue. Yeah, just just a just a rough match all around. I think you uh, you had. Uh, Eric Bailly got knocked out of the game. Harry Maguire looked like he was concussed on the field and still playing. He's uh, like the the monster. Yeah, he. I, I said that he looked like a villain from the Karate Kid with the, the head yes. wrapping. Yes. But didn't absorb any of the villain's powers from the Karate Kid. Yeah, they couldn't stop knocking each other's heads. It they was, really couldn't. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. They just kept on hitting people's heads. Eric Bailly, his, his head... Uh, injury looked pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, pretty so, rough. Yeah, I'm hoping that he's he's okay. It's not as, as serious as it looked, but it did not look great. But yeah, uh, David de Gea is only part of the issue with Manchester United yeah, right now. There's there's a lot of problems. A lot of uh, defensive uh, malfunctions at mm-hmm. the moment as well. So Chelsea in the back in the goal started Willy Caballero, who seemed to play pretty decently, pretty okay, especially considering. Their own high wage keeper issues with uh, with Keppa, Arida Bigala. Arida Bigala. <laughs> yes, he played well, but he didn't really have many opportun- opportunities to excuse you. Excuse me, opportunities to really showcase his ability. Because let's be honest, the Manchester United attack was toothless. It was. It was so. very very bad. Um, you know whose attack is not very, very bad? Liverpool's. Liverpool's attack's pretty good. Because I just watched them hit up Chelsea for five goals. Five goals in a game that they didn't even need to win. Nope. <laughs> nope. In a game that means literally nothing to Liverpool. Nothing to them. Absolutely none. In a game that means so little to Liverpool that Jurgen Klopp said that Adam Lallana was going to play. Yes. Did he play? Spoiler alert, Adam Lallana did not play. Oh, no. Because Christian Pulisic came on and all of a sudden made the game close in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> oh, my god! Big yike. Yeah, big, big yike. yike. Oh, I, I, I will say we uh, said his name wrong. It's Arida Balaga and not Bagala at the end. So there's a lot of stuff going on. That's a in lot that of last syllables. It's uh, a lot of stuff. But and thank you for correcting us. In our, in fairness to us, we nailed the Spanish lisp of the Z's and S's. Now. Yes, yes. Just like Cesar. Uh, yeah. Cesar <laughs> <laughs> Piliqueta. <laughs> you got it, <laughs> dude. I'm all over it, Dave. Dave. <laughs> My homie Dave. <laughs> but we, Drew, uh, I was just gonna say we should take a moment to to just recognize the greatness of Christian Pulisic. Oh man, 
Dude, he was so good today. And wild good. That incredible run that he had to set up Tammy, and then the and composure. Then life. Yes, and then the composure in the box to blast one past Allison. Um, yeah, Christian Pulisic came in and, and legitimately just like started dragging Chelsea into the game again. Oh man, it was awesome. It was awesome to see. Uh, I did not predict that his first season with Chelsea would go so well in like a million years. Yeah, coming off of. Last year with, with Dortmund. Well, I, you, you know what they say. I don't. Tell me. It's easier to score in the Premier League than it is the Bundesliga. <laughs> they definitely say that. <laughs> they absolutely say that 100% of the time. <laughs> oh. Well, Drew? Yes. Speaking of goalkeeper woes. I'm sorry that I kind of drifted away from you know goalkeeper. What? I kind of ruined that transition. You know what? It's okay. <laughs> I had a segue <laughs> planned, and you just kind of steamrolled right over it. Well, we're just going to power through that steamroll that we're, I had. We're powering through yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to the same segue just later than originally. <laughs> I decided to bring forth a story about a goalkeeper of yore. Yes. And for all of you Deadball fans that miss the days when we were mispronouncing names left and right, don't worry, because these names are all Belgian. Did you say your? Yes. Like, uh, how do you spell that? Y-O-R-E. Your. Okay. Your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Days of Your? Like uh, The Raven? I thought, I thought that you were going to say, home. like, uh, I thought you were trying to say lore, like folklore. Nope. Like, but yeah. Nope. It's a different word. Different, days of, days yeah. of Your. Yes. Meaning, like, olden days. Ah, uh, yes. It's a very, like, kind of ancient, not ancient, but antiquated word would mm. be a good way to put it. Gotcha. It's not used frequently anymore. Yes, yes. There's uh, medieval, medieval times. But this story comes from the 70s and 80s. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, Drew, both of us, and I'm assuming most of our listeners at this point, are conditioned to a world where a Belgian soccer is somewhere between good and great. Yes. When you think Belgium and soccer, you think good players. Some really good players. Some yes. players are like some of the best in the world. Yes. They finished in third place, obviously, in the last World Cup. They have probably the best player in the Premier League right now in Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously. And for the past several years, they've been contenders in just about any competition they've played. In the late 70s and early 80s, however, Belgium were plucky underdogs that were experiencing a little bit of a renaissance. Okay. On the club scene, big traditional Belgian clubs like Anderlecht and Bruges were beginning to make waves in Europe. None of that compared, however, to Belgium's shock performance in the 1980 European Championships, the UEFA Euro, where they... Had a shock performance. Uh, yes, I said that already. Where they finished second. <laughs> you got it. Uh, we're Great. getting back in the podcast saddle, baby. Blowing off the rust. Yeah. Or, I guess you don't blow off rust. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why your car is so rusty. Uh, <laughs> outside trying to blow rust off. Yes. Belgium's shock performance in the 1980 European Championship where they finished second to West Germany. At the time, the Euro was only comprised of eight teams. There were two groups that engaged in regular group stage play, and at the end of the group stage, the two group winners played each other in the final. Pretty sure you've already talked about old Euros before, so we already know this, but I'm just reiterating for the listeners out there. I just absolutely love the the transition um, that that championships and tournaments have gone through, going all the way back to like 
the mid yes. 1900s mm-hmm. all the way up to the current days. Yep. I don't know. It's fascinating. It's very interesting. So you had eight teams, two groups. The winners advanced to the finals. The second place teams advanced to the third place game, which I'm sure means something to someone somewhere, uh, but not to most people. Not to us. <laughs> not to us. If you ain't first, you're last. Amen, brother. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, Belgium in that Euro were supposed to be something of a sacrificial lamb because they were placed in a group with England, Italy, and Spain. That's a tough draw. That's a rough draw if you're not considered one of the best teams in the world. Yes. Like Belgium were not considered at the time. Yes. They emerged atop their group after two draws and a win advancing to the final thanks to their very defined style of compact defense punctuated by brief moments of counterattack. Park that bus, baby. Some classic underdog (laughs) strategies. Yes. (laughs) This style worked out for them as they only gave up two goals in the entire group stage and were defeated 2-1 by the heavily favored Germans only after an 88th minute winner by Germany broke the deadlock. Wow. Belgium were a team low on star power, but played together as a team very well and did have one star where it really counted in their system, at goalkeeper. Okay. Where the breakout performance of the tournament came from 26-year-old Jean-Marie Pfaff. Pfaff. Pfaff is spelled P-F-A-F-F and is objectively a very, very funny name. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that is a funny name. I feel like I can say that as a person with a last name that sounds like it was ripped straight from a list of minor side Harry Potter characters. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Snavely is a funny name. (laughs) It is. I know that Snavely is a funny name. Everybody knows that Snavely is a funny name. I am here to tell you that Jean-Marie Pfaff, also a funny name. Yes. (laughs) Now, Jean-Marie Pfaff, had built a reputation as a young keeper to watch in Belgium, where he turned pro at the age of 19 and spent a decade with Beverin, who is the first Belgian name for something that I haven't looked up. So I'm probably saying something about it wrong. Ah, nice. He made over 300 appearances for the club. Beverin were considered a small club in Belgium compared to those teams like Anderlecht and Bruges that I mentioned earlier. They were playing in Europe, so obviously. Yeah. But Faf helped lead them to a surprising league victory in 1978 and won Player of the Year award in Belgium to boot. That's not something that many goalkeepers ever can boast. In general, almost never the goalkeeper is awarded the best player award. It almost always goes to attackers. Yes. And if it doesn't go to attackers, then it goes to defenders. And if it then, if it doesn't go to defenders, like, they'll kind of, like, last... Last gasp. Goalkeepers are just last on the list of positions that win Player of the Year awards. Yeah, N'Golo Conte won Player of the Year not too long ago in the uh, Premier League. Well, yes. He should have won it back-to-back years. And he was not a goalkeeper. And he was not a goalkeeper. But you said attackers first. And then, then defenders. Def- but you, yes. didn't, you didn't say anything about midfielders. Well, attacking players, including midfielders. Well, N'Golo Conte is neither. Of those things. Uh, well, he was kind of a number 10 under uh, Maurizio Sarri, so you could say he was an attacking... No, uh, I don't think... <laughs> now nah. I'm just being dumb. <laughs> uh, there's only ever been one goalkeeper, I believe, to win the Ballon d'Or. That really? was Lev Yashin. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know. Uh, I'm pretty certain... We uh, already mentioned that uh, Dev De Gea won... Uh, Manchester United Player of the Year for like 
four years in a row. Yes, he did do that. What I'm saying is that Jean-Marie Pfaff won Player of the Year for the entire Belgian League. Yes, yes. Which is wild. Yeah, Lev Yashin, who is uh, the Black Spider for uh, Russia slash USSR. Very cool. He won the Ballon d'Or. World Player of the Year. I'm pretty sure he's the only one to ever do that as a goalkeeper. But, back to Jean-Marie Pfaff. Yes. Pfaff forced his way into the spotlight at the 1980 Euro, where he won the Belgian number one job for the first time. He helped guide Belgium through to the final, and in general, he became the linchpin for coach Guy Tice's system. I did look up how to pronounce that one. Guy Tice. Because um, it looks like Guy, G-U-I. Yeah. Um, and then either Thys or Thys, T-H-Y-S. Yes. But I'm pretty sure it's Guy Tice. Guy Tice. Yes. Fairly certain. Yeah. I'm sure about that it. somebody will correct me. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it wasn't long before a bigger fish came to snap him up, and before long, Bayern Munich pounced, purchasing Pfaff in the early summer of 1982 for around 400,000 English pounds. Oh, man. To compare prices. Yeah. Diego Maradona, that same summer, set the world transfer record uh, for a transfer fee. World record for a transfer fee. Yeah. what I'm trying to say. When Barcelona paid around five million pounds to Boca Juniors for him. Oh wow! So, at that time, four hundred grand was a huge amount of money. Yeah, it's and significant. Especially for a goalkeeper, was a really, really large amount of money. Hey, Byron wanted that faff magic. They wanted the faff. They they had to have it. The fat the faff factory. The faff factory. <laughs> oh gosh. The problem with all of this was that all the money. And fame and plaudits that Faf was receiving was apparently starting to go to his head a little bit. Oh no, superstar syndrome? A mm, little bit. Terrible. And his Belgium teammates didn't like it. Yeah. Again, it was a team that was very much of the type of team that was greater than the sum of its parts, kind of. Uh, a little bit like uh, old United States men's national teams, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Uh, and if. And uh, if uh, was not a wor- right word that I wrote here, Faf was starting to stick in the team's craw, even to the point where Guy Tice, whose system was successful mostly because of Faf, was beginning to get tired of him. Okay. He was just being a little bit of a diva here and there. But Faf was clearly still the best keeper that Belgium had, so he was obviously going to start for them when the 1982 World Cup rolled around. Their opening match was actually against... Title holders, Argentina, and a young Diego Maradona, who was mm. 22 at the time. Wow, very young. Only but, uh, five kids at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can go back and listen to our episode about Diego Maradona's secret kids if you all want it. If you all want some juice. Belgium's defense smothered Argentina's attack, and Faf himself made two extremely impressive saves to secure a 1-0 win over a team most expected to beat the Belgians handily. After another 1-0 win against El Salvador, Belgium looked to be waltzing into the next stage of the competition, repeating their performance from the Euros a couple years before. But, that was before Hungary. Oh no. And, that was before a concussion. Oh no. And a swimming pool. What? And one very, very unamused Guy Tice all coalesced around Jean-Marie Pfaff, because Belgium were about to sabotage their own World Cup.
you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Thank you so much to BetOnline for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. And thank you to you, listener, for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And if you have left a review, thank you for writing us a review, much like this one. This one comes from Umner. Umner. Umner? Umner said, listen to this podcast. We agree. Man, what what great advice. (laughs) I really enjoy this podcast. These guys are naturally funny, and I always hear something new and interesting I didn't know before. Umner, whoever you are out there, thank you from the, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for taking the time to give us a five-star review and saying these really kind words. It's refreshing to get a review that's not uh, backhanded complimenting us from a, a relative, a close relative of ours. Yeah, this one so, is a this one is a little bit of an ego boost. It's just genuinely nice. We're naturally funny. Naturally. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, Wait till our wives hear that, uh, <laughs> dude. Because they do not agree. <laughs> They're gonna be shocked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can't even believe that people outside of our family listen to this. True thing, that. So. <laughs> you better believe. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much to Umner. And thank you to you for listening to this podcast. If you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It is what gets us seen by more people. So the more ratings and reviews that we have, the more people are going to see the podcast, the more that Apple is going to push the podcast up in their algorithms and in their search bars and all of that stuff. So if you want to, if you can, we really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review for the podcast. We also have merch at our Teespring store, which the link to that will be in the description below and you can follow us on our social media sites which is at deadballpod pretty much everywhere but for now it's time to get back to the story and we are back for the second half of the story and Adam was just about to tell me and all of you listeners who are putting this podcast into your precious ears about some self-sabotage. Not self-sabotage. Well, I guess self-sabotage to a certain extent. You could certainly say self-sabotage. Okay. Drew, I hit you and, by extension, the listeners, with a, a string of real random words. I thought you said, I hate you. N- no, I hit you. Hit. Okay. Yeah, I hit you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't hate you. You don't hate me. I love you. I was kind of concerned for a second, but that's good to hear. <laughs> I, th- I feel like we should know this about each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. were each other's best friends. I thought that you were, I know, you, I thought that you were saying that you hate the listeners as well as me. Oh. And so I was just really confused as to where this was going. Ah, <laughs> uh, the royal you. Yes. <laughs> so, the final game of the group stage didn't turn out all that bad for the Belgian side on the face of it. It ended in a 1-1 draw. Yeah. Which was 
a perfectly acceptable outcome for Belgium because they had already won their first two games and it meant that they advanced to the second stage of the World Cup. The problem was the cost of such a draw. Mainly because of Jean-Marie Faf. Okay. Our boy Faf. I've won, but at what cost? Our, oh, he's faffing it up. <laughs> you see, down a goal and partway through the second half, Faf came off his line to cut out a cross from the Hungarians, which he did manage to get to. Yeah. Unfortunately, in order to get the ball, he obliterated his right back. Oh, no. Who also happened to be the team captain. Okay. Eric Gerritz, whose name I'm not pronouncing correctly. I just didn't look it up. The second name that you have not looked up in this story. Indeed. Now, Gerritz was knocked unconscious for a full minute. What? Yeah. I'm going to take a wild guess and say he stayed in the game. He did not. Oh, okay. Wow. He had to come out. That's awesome. Because he was clearly concussed yes. and could not stand up straight. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I want to believe that if he could have stood up straight, he would have continued the match. <laughs> Based on how we, we do today. Yes. standard. Based on Harry Maguire's play in the second half of Chelsea Manchester United, when he looked like he was drunk... Yes, on the would, ball several times. Stay like severely concussed, probably. Yeah, I'm guessing you would stay in, but he came out. Okay, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, he but he was unconscious on the field for like a full minute. Yeah, it's a long time. It was very concerning, and he had to be substituted off as he'd clearly been concussed and could not continue. Obviously, Faf didn't mean to do this. But it didn't endear him anymore to a club that had already grown tired of him. Yeah. Or to a club, to a team. A team. It's the national team. It's a national team. It's a sort of club. It's kind of a club. It's kind of a club. Furthermore, his antics after the match only added to the dislike of their goalkeeper. An ambulance had been called for Garrett's because he obviously needed one. But for some reason, it took over an hour for the ambulance to get to the stadium. Brutal. <laughs> Which, rough, my guy. I have to imagine traffic was pretty bad that day. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it, it feels unimaginable now. Yeah. Because now, sporting events just have an ambulance there. It's just there. At a football or a soccer game. They yeah. just have the ambulance at the stadium already. If you really need something desperately, you could land a helicopter in the middle of the field. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this situation never happens anymore. Uh, but... I guess in the 80s, they just left things up to the traffic guts. Yeah. Uh, and so it took over an hour for the ambulance to actually get there. The ambulance finally arrived after the game was over, and Eric Garretts was being helped back to it, only to find that Jean-Marie Pfaff was already sitting in the back of the ambulance, complaining of a shoulder injury. Pfaff refused to get off, as he was concerned it would keep him out of the next game of the tournament and wanted to receive treatment as quickly as possible. And Garrett's was left to his own devices. Oh, gosh. The twinge and fast shoulder turned out to be nothing at all. What? <laughs> okay. So basically, he had this, He said, he, oh, I hurt my shoulder. He didn't hurt his shoulder. It was like a, a bruise, like yeah. a knock or something. And he refused to let his team captain, who he had knocked out cold and was clearly not doing well, used the ambulance to go to the hospital because he was worried about getting treatment on his shoulder. What? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that didn't sit well. Yeah. That brings us to the pool party. Oh, gosh. I did mention a swimming you pool You did earlier. mention a swimming pool. <laughs> now, the manager, Tice, decided 
to throw a pool party for the Belgians at their hotel. A good a good team bonding. <laughs> it just feels like such an elementary school thing. Just really trying to bring the team together. Like, oh, yes, we advance to the next stage. You know, we'll be sick. Pool party. Pool party. Virgin daiquiris on me. <laughs> oh, my mom's super cool. She'll let us sip some of her wine coolers. <laughs> you know, my dad always leaves a couple extra beers in the fridge. <laughs> we could probably get our hands on those. It's an above ground pool. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I presume, I never came across why he held a pool party during the World Cup. I presume it was for advancing uh, into the group stage. And. Again, for reference for the, the listeners, we've talked about this in World Cups stories before. But in those days, as opposed to a round of 16 stage that occurred after the group stage, yeah. the first group stage, which was all groups of four top two teams advance, yeah. gave way to a second group stage. And in the second group stage, I think we've talked about this. We might not have based on the, your face. I think we have. Okay. The second group stage was a bunch of groups of three who all played their own mini round robin, much the same as the first one. And there was four groups of three and the top team from each of those groups advanced to the semifinals. And there was two semifinal games and a final. Okay. And that's how the world cup worked at the time. In fact, actually it changed the very next world cup. I believe because I think the next world cup, more teams were added, I think. Um, But the next world cup, the there was a round of 16 i believe i believed it switched to a round of 16 gotcha all that beside the point yeah i believe the pool party was to celebrate advancing to the second group stage yes now belgium was still only two games away from the semis but perhaps they're more well off than they thought they would be at the time as they were grouped with poland and the soviet union true while other groups in that stage included a group of England, West Germany, and Spain, all grouped together. Brutal. As well as another one that was Italy, Argentina, and Brazil. Oh, my grouped goodness. Grouped together. Definitely much more difficult groups than Belgium, Poland, and the Soviet Union. Yeah, what the heck? So, Belgium were having a pool party. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd be having a pool party after that draw. Break out the floaties, boys. Yeah. We're going swimming. <laughs> Heiss also invited some members of the Belgian media to the pool party, including close friend and Belgian commentator Jan Wouters, another name I did not look up. Okay. I feel like I did pretty well with the pronunciation there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouters knew of Tice and the player's opinion of Jean-Marie Pfaff at that point. So, during the party, Wouters took it upon himself to knock Pfaff down a few pegs by pushing him into the pool. There was one problem with the plan. Unbeknownst to everyone else, Faf couldn't swim. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> he immediately began splashing around in distress and had to be fished out of the water by his teammates so he wouldn't drown. <laughs> Angered and embarrassed when questioned about the incident by the media attending the party, because a bunch of like the press were at the party, yeah. so they all see this happen. Faf claimed he was only pretending to drown. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tice apparently believed him, and instead of apologizing to his star goalkeeper, only resented the man further. <laughs> the final straw between the two seemed to be an incident where Faf called police to the team hotel because he claimed 
He witnessed someone sneaking into the hotel room of teammate Rene Varians. Varians. Another name I didn't look up. Yes. I looked up how to pronounce the main character. I looked up how to pronounce the manager. And that's all I got. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rene Varians. The police came and gained access to Varane's room, whereupon they discovered that the intruder was Varane's wife. Ah. And none of the research I did actually confirmed this, so this is some deadball speculation on my part, but three guesses as to why you sneak your wife into your hotel room at the World Cup <laughs> yeah. when you're just surrounded by nothing but your teammates the entire time. I'm kind of kind of drawing a blank. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, don't know, I can't really think of anything. Uh, there certainly wasn't any faffing going on. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst. No, that was that was an awful, this, that awful was terrible. Joke. Yeah, not like not like a oh like the content of the joke was bad. It was just a bad joke. <laughs> uh, at any rate, Tice had had enough. For their opening second stage match against Poland, Tice benched Faff in favor of number two goalkeeper Theo Kusters who also has a very funny name. Yes. <laughs> Coosters played for Malaga in Spain, where the World Cup was being held. So some theorized Tice was going with a keeper that was possibly more familiar with his surroundings, more comfortable with the atmosphere that the games were being played in. Poland proceeded to light Coosters up. Yeah. As star Boniak got himself a hat trick. On at least two of the three goals, Coosters didn't put up much of a fight. One, a blasted finish from 18 yards that went directly above Cooster's head and through his hands. And another, which was the worst one easily, where Cooster's decided to come off, his, come off his line to challenge a cross that he was nowhere near. And then fell over backwards as Boniak dinked the ball over his head, chipping the keeper. It was oh, it was gosh. bad. He like ran out two steps and immediately like, oh, starts oh. running back. And then he goes to jump, but instead of jumping, he like literally trips and just falls back as he's reaching up. Oh, man. It's it so humiliating yeah. as a keeper. Oh, yeah. It was bad. <laughs> it, it, it was bad, bad. Uh, the last goal was primarily a failure of Belgium's back line, but it was still a little bit embarrassing for Coosters as Boniek was left alone with the ball with only the keeper to beat and rounded him easily. Ah. The game against Poland single-handedly tripled the amount of goals Belgium had allowed in the tournament thus far. Yeah. Yeah. Rough. Rough for a team that's whole thing is we can defend well and sometimes score. Yes. It's very uh, Greece 2004 Euros. Yes. You know what I'm saying. Belgium weren't eliminated yet, however, as they still played the Soviet Union in this three-team group. And if they could beat the Soviets and improve their goal differential significantly, and the Soviets beat Poland, Belgium could still, theoretically, advance to the semifinals. Their chances probably weren't great. It might have been a little bit like uh, 2009 USA Confederations Cup, where they like their final game of the group, they needed, I think they needed Italy to lose by three goals. And they needed to beat Egypt by three goals. And both those things happened. Like, exactly. Like, Brazil beat Italy 3 nothing, And they beat Egypt 3 nothing. Yes. On the last game. It was kind of wild. Wild. 
it was one of those situations, basically. It was one of those those situations that you never see happen. Hardly, hardly ever. ever. Hardly ever. You have all these pundits saying like, "All right, if this, 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 and this happens, then we can advance." And it's you're one like, of those okay, situations. It's one of those situations where the commentators, if it happens, say, "You couldn't write a script like this." Yes. When in fact you could. You could. But I digress. They I'm weren't like, I've watched Goal. Yeah. <laughs> All three of them. All three of them. <laughs> uh, anyway, Belgium weren't eliminated, but things weren't looking good. They definitely, absolutely had to beat the Soviet Union by a decent amount if they were going to do anything. And you might be thinking to yourself, this is probably the point where Gitais feels his point has been made and he puts a star goalkeeper back in when his back is against the wall. And you would be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Instead, Tice started Belgium's third goalkeeper, Jackie Munyaron. Play the kids, man. It was Munyaron's international debut. Oh, yeah. He gave his third goalkeeper his international debut in a must-win game in the second round of the World Cup while his first two goalkeepers were healthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a big brain move right there. Mm, galaxy brain, somebody would say. Galaxy brain. The USSR won the game 1-0. Although, watching the goal, I don't know if Munyron could have actually done much more than he actually did. If he had saved it, it would have been a fantastic save. And in any case, Belgium didn't score anyway, so yeah. it didn't matter. But still, still. Despite openly feuding with arguably his most important player... The Belgian FA sided with Tice on his decisions during the tournament, and one official called Faf an immature child who only sought publicity. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Oh my gosh. Uh, Faf's summer to forget was only compounded upon his debut for Bayern Munich about a month later when he committed a comical own goal off of a throw-in against Werder Bremen. (laughs) Werder Bremen had a throw-in on the sideline. They threw the ball in. Faf runs all the way out to like the side of his box to try to punch it and just punches it straight up and backwards into his own goal. It was not touched by anybody else. So it was a goal directly off of a throw in off of his hand. Oh no. It was a, uh, it was rough, not yeah. great for Mr. Jean Marie. Yes. He would, however, redeem himself eventually winning multiple titles with Bayern and proving to be a very good transfer, while also winning his spot back with Tice and playing keeper for Belgium at the 84 Euro and at the 86 World Cup, where they did manage this time to get all the way to the semifinals. Wow. Only to be knocked out by Diego Maradona in Argentina. Gotcha. Who won the tournament after Diego Maradona put on one of the greatest World Cup performances of all time. Like, tournament long. Yes. It happens. It happens. Happens yeah. to the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best players to ever play B2. You know, yeah. what can you do? But they did manage to get back. They finished in fourth in that year's World Cup after losing to France in the third place match, which was their best finish at the World Cup until 2018, when they beat English, England and placed third. Which I think that Belgium will still always be remembered for that comeback against Japan. In the round of 16 that at counter, the 2018 that World counter. Cup. Oh, that counterattack was so good. That Lukaku run? Dude, the, the entire thing. My, my favorite, it was probably my favorite play in the entire World Cup because they had this kind of like sky cam that had like the above the field angle 
and the entire counterattack, Romelu Lukaku does not touch the ball yes. at all. But he runs out of the back. He runs and drags two defenders all the way to the left side of the field and opens up space for Kevin Dubrana to run down the right side of the field. Then again, runs back to the middle of the field and drags defenders away from the back post. Kevin Dubrana crosses the ball to him. He dummies. Let's Nasir Chadley, of all people, finish at the back post. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was, it was so beautiful. good. Just aesthetically, it was. I, I, I was sad because I wanted Japan to win because I was like, wow, like Japan, look at them go. They're up against, they're up 2 0 against Belgium. Yes. Um, but aesthetically, it was such a pleasing goal. Yeah. It was a very, very nice counterattack. Anyways. Anyways, Faf managed to redeem himself, and Belgium did eventually make the semifinals with Faf playing the goal. But that is the story of Jean Marie Flaff. Flaff. Jean Marie Flaff. Jean-Marie Pfaff making a splash. A couple of sources for this story. Pete Spencer for Tale of Two Halves, Harry Kettle for The Verst, and the FIFA Video Archives where I watched all the goals from those World Cup games. Stop laughing at me. Stop laughing at me, man. That's what he was saying. Uh, when he was splashing around in the pool when yes. he couldn't swim. Yes. I love the, I love the, like, the macho, like, oh, I... It wasn't that I couldn't swim. I, I was just pretending to I drown. Was pretending. Uh, you thought Cla- I was. Classic ha, pretending. You fell for my joke. Yeah. <laughs> don't you feel silly? How naive. I know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that great story. Dude, you're so uh, welcome. I mean, very, very appropriate and, and sad for me at this time. Yeah. Uh, I hope that, that David De Gea can learn from fast mistakes not to say that De Gea is a selfish or, or flashy uh persona by any means but rediscovering his form yeah and uh uh being being great for us but if not we got uh dean henderson yo wait, dean waiting in on the wings <laughs> waiting in the the sheffield united Bromwell wings. lane is that what the, is that what their stadium is? I think it's Bromley. I don't know what their stadium is. I couldn't think of it, so that's why I went with the team name eventually. Yeah. And the fantasy god himself, John Lundstrom. Ah, uh, yes, the demigod. Lord, uh, Lord Lundstrom. A quick uh, WTFPL update. Um, I have charged all the way to 13th place in the league. Yes. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes, I did notice but... that you passed all of those inactive teams. Oh, dude. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. As soon as the tournament came back, I was like, "It's my time." It's my time. I'm. I'm. I think I'm in like third or fourth. Yeah, you somewhere around. Somewhere around there. It's definitely a weird one. Yeah. Because of the break and all that. Hey, man. But we're still giving. Uh, we're still giving away that. Uh, that gift card to away days to the winner. As soon as the break happened, an asterisk. Asterisk. Went. <laughs> Just like Liverpool. <laughs> Just like Liverpool's title. <laughs> right next to that. Some might say the asterisk means more. Some might say the asterisk is a crown because mm. of the difficult circumstances under which you can't put an asterisk on Liverpool winning it. <laughs> they were an ungodly amount of points ahead of everybody before the break. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing it. But it is funny to joke about. It is funny to joke about because <laughs> Liverpool fans get so they mad. They get really defensive. Oh, oh, it's not an asterisk. 
<laughs> That's all right. Oh, man. Well, I think it's time to get out of here. But before yeah. we go, once again, if you want to support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I talk about that in the middle section. But again, it helps more people see our podcast. It helps us game the algorithm a little bit, and it pops up more easily on people's search bars. So if you could leave us a rating and review, that would be mucho appreciated. We also have a Teespring store that you can find the link to in the description below. And if you want to contact us or follow us at all on social medias, we're at DeadBallPod everywhere. That's on Twitter, where we're most active. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. And if you want to email us with any questions, concerns, story ideas, sarcastic remarks about our ability as podcasters, you can email us at DeadBallPod at gmail.com, where we will eventually answer you eventually. We're not great at answering, but we will eventually we answer. We will. We, we promise. Promise. We, yeah. Cross my heart, hope to die. I don't hope you die, but cross my heart, certainly. And if I don't, oopsies. Yes, absolutely. But until next time, my name is Adam Whitaker Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we love you the most platonically, the most platonically we possibly can. Bye bye now.